previously on Anything Goes. Like well, let me ask you about that, about, you know, having the commercial run. Because I had commercial runs, yeah, too, sure. you know. And don't you find that you hit a crossroads, though, where you just don't want to be doing the monkey dance for somebody's oh, can yeah. of soup? Of course. Oh, yeah. You know, and you just want to go. And, and that's what's so great about stand-up yeah. is that it allows you to to plumb the heart line and right. to fucking get that visceral hit and flip the bird to um, what we have to do, ironically, in order to make a living. Well, you know, the whole thing about commercials for me and why I became dead inside to them is because <laughs> <other> people <laughs> were not as smart as they thought they were in that business. They were English majors and they were just trying to make a quick buck. Their heart wasn't in it. Why would their heart be in it? You're in a fucking Walmart commercial. I get it. But just the way You mean I the guys treated, who wrote them and created them? Not the creation so much as the people on set. I just, the, the level of uh, the way they treated us and we were the final thing on the list. You know, they spent more money on lights than some of the actors in these things and you're treated that way. Oh, yeah. And instead, up, you can treat me badly, but yeah. I don't have to stand for it. You don't have to stand for it, exactly. That's you know? the difference. It's like when those Procter and Gamble suits would come in, right? Right. Oh, man. You know, I, I mean, would that's... agree in marketing, and I would know more marketing. They would be like, you know what? This is about brand. You don't understand. And I'm like, look, fucktard. All right? I have a degree in marketing. You have a degree in history. I'm not going to knock <laughs> you, but don't tell me. Fucktard. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but, you know, but I do, I do agree that, uh, you know, that's what happens on commercials and yeah, you hit your high water mark, and then when you get your rate up, man, you know, unless and you're going to walk on water on your hands, they're not going to pay you. Right. That sounds like a commercial that you might actually go out for, New Nabisco Fucktards. <laughs> <laughs> New I'm Nabisco Fucktards. And now, let's get to a new exciting show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? They will do anything for money, even wash a gilf's back. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? And Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. Can you dig it? All right. Greetings, everybody. This is Anything Goes. I'm your host uh, for this episode. My name is Dave Martin. Uh, this is the week of November 27th, 2013. And uh, this week, once again, we are playing some of the uh, interviews that we recorded. When I say we, I mean Darren Frost and I. Darren uh, cannot be here this week. Uh, so uh, in Darren's place, I have this uh, sound effects machine that will be uh, it'll be taking the place of Darren Frost this week. Of course, we all know that uh, Darren for us is irreplaceable, but uh, this week, uh, this machine will have to do. Uh, I record, we, Darren and I recorded these interviews while we were in Calgary playing the club there, and uh, well, I, uh, I get to, uh, it, was a, uh, it was a good time. It was a fun little tour. Um, I got to see Vancouver again, but uh, anyways, we got to start the show, so um, let's see. So uh, how, uh, how are you uh, feeling today, Darren? Oh, oh, well, that's that's too bad. I I hear you had some uh, shows out in Newfoundland and Halifax. How did those go? Oh, okay. Well, well that's too that's too bad here. But uh, we, we, I got some announcements to uh, do. Uh, Kenny Robinson has his uh, the Ford Follies, which are going to be at the Elma Combo Club in Toronto. It's going to be a whole evening of uh, Rob Ford uh, related jokes. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. It's hard for me to make fun of a guy that's such a joke to begin with, but there's lots of stuff out there, and he's got some amazing comics on board with him. Uh, of course, uh, hosting the show, I believe, would be Mr. Kenny Robinson. Also on that show is Simon Rakoff, Alan Park, Mark Walker, Craig Lorizon, uh Mike Rita, and Steve Kersner, who you also might know as Ed the Sock. Uh, it is December 5th. Uh, at 8.30 p.m., tickets are $15. It is going to be at the El Macombo uh, nightclub on Spadina. That's Spadina near college in Toronto. So go and check out the Ford Follies. Now, uh, Darren, uh, let's see. Uh, you are going to be, um, let's see. Oh, yeah, you have your Emotional Terrorism DV that just came out. And uh, actually, well, who do we have on the show today? Yes, that is right. On the show today, we got uh, Simon King, who we interviewed in uh, Calgary, and we also have uh, James Moore in the third segment. Uh, Simon King's very funny comic. Uh, he spends most of his time out east. I mean, no, no, fuck that. Sorry, he spends it most of the time out west. And uh, James Moore has a very, very uh, cool room that he does uh, the comedy Monday nights in Calgary at the Broken City Club. But uh, uh, he is in the third segment telling his uh, Zach Galifianakis story when Zach uh, just uh, showed up and uh, did some uh, did some time at his uh, room, which was quite cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, okay. And uh, I did some of my announcements. And now, Darren, you're uh, going to be at the um, uh, Ottawa Club on uh, New Year's Eve, and you're going to be playing at the Downtown Club uh, November 27th and December 1st. Uh, I don't. Are, are you excited about doing those shows? Or, I mean, what, what do you really uh, do those uh, shows for? Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's a reason to do your shows. But but I know for one thing that you often like doing shows at the downtown club because, uh, you know, you get to go home at night and you get to see your wife. Well, that might happen. Um, but, you know, I mean, we can only hope. And uh, I have, of course, uh, yet to uh, have a gig on New Year's. Uh, well, thank you for being so supportive, Darren. But, um, uh, you know, I mean, well, maybe if something comes along or, uh, you know, who knows, maybe I'll uh, get to spend a uh, ring in the new year with uh, someone, uh, someone special to me, someone close to my heart. Who knows? All right. Well, thanks a lot. It's yes. OK, I get it. It's very funny that uh, I'm not going to find anyone to ring in the new year with. But uh, let's uh, let's start off the show. Uh, it's uh, Simon King and. Uh, Let's see, in this first segment, you know, we talk about Simon's childhood <laughs> uh, and uh, him dropping out of school and comedy and uh, traveling and crafting a set and all that crazy bullshit that goes into comedy. So uh, here we go. Simon King, James Moore on this episode. Anything goes for the week of November 27th. Let's start. Were you, like, were you a hyperactive child? Um, you know what? I was, I, was, I was on stage from when I was about seven years old, so I, I acted a lot. So I think I got a lot of it out. But I was a bit of a, a hyper kid, yeah. I mean, I've always spoken quickly and had a lot of energy. I've always been that guy. Yeah. Right. Um, so I was always outside. I was always running around, just go, you know. Was it a sense of, like, performing just all the time for the attention? Um, or is it more medical, you know, like, a, you know, Ritalin-type thing? I don't know, you know. I mean, back then, right, like, this, like they didn't really think about it, right? This is a relatively no, new thing. No, but I just thing. meant your yeah. own feeling. So, like, did uh, you I mean, just get a rush me, from the kind of attention? I think it was the atten- I think it was the defense because I was bullied a lot, and so when right. I really became aware of it, I sure. think it was if I beat them to the joke, they can't get to it first, and right. then they look like. And I realized early on that you can depower that by beating them to it. So I think 
that's where a lot of it came from, particularly from elementary school onwards. Before that, I don't know. I mean, I think it was probably there, but that really that became it's a defense that's a memory. Mechanism. That's yeah. a memory. For yeah, you, it's a right? memory for sure. It's a, it but was a defense mechanism. Your your whole family is like is all theater based, arts mm-hmm. based. I mean, yeah. you're Performing, yeah, you're. Yeah. you're uh, is it like both your what your is one of them musician? My my mom and my dad um, toured in a rock band in the sixties and seventies, and then my oh, mom. What were they? Uh, the Silhouettes, and then my they toured all over Europe because we're from England, right? So they toured all over. They did the bases, a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, USO type stuff, oh. and then um, and then my my parents quit the business for a little bit when my brother was born. He's older right. than me, and then my mom went back after I was born to a solo career, and she had a, a number one hit in like Portugal and Japan and stuff, and toured for a little bit with that and then just one day just quit and then she basically walked out because she was an actor as well right. so when we came to Canada after a couple of years of being in the house and making pies and stuff she was like screw this and she went and joined theater and got back into film and TV right. and now she runs the Royal Canadian Theater Company oh okay cool. and then my dad does music direction for he runs uh, the Evergreen Theater right now in, uh-huh. in Port Coquitlam and um, he's just about to retire but he also does their music directing because my dad was like a piano prodigy are your parents kid. still together yeah oh, okay and uh, my dad was um, like a piano prodigy kid and so he grew up and then he but the funny thing is my dad my dad loves like lounge music like Burt Bacharach stuff so I asked him once just I was like please can you just play some classical music once and he played me some Mozart and it was beautiful it was absolutely beautiful and halfway through he broke into what the world needs now is love sweet love and right. I was like you son of a bitch <laughs> you're squandering you your in. gift yeah you but snuck yeah. it in yeah so I mean and so he's just uh, he's in his late 60s now and so my mom's uh, I'm 66 almost and so they're retiring um, and basically she's backing off a little bit she's still going to do it but you know, more of an executive position. But it's it's just funny because sometimes when you know, uh, like with whatever your parents are, you know, as a kid, you if you sort of naturally rebel, the fact that you had this sort of uh, such a theater and arts based uh, family bringing you up, you weren't yeah. sort of like, you know, I'm going to go into accounting. Fuck you guys. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> I don't think this is bullshit. I don't think that happens when it comes to art. I think when the parents are in art, I think it's more likely the kids will probably stay in yeah. some yeah. form of art. Where your example of yeah, if my dad worked on the line like in a Bruce Springsteen song. I want to get the fuck out of this town and I want to do my own wah, thing. Wah, 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 wah. That's my impression of every Bruce Springsteen yeah. song. Yeah, it's, wah, wah, wah. it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. And if you lower it, it's a Nickelback song. Yeah. That's yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. 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 And a Tom song. Waits song. Here's a song about Jersey. I think we figured out how music works, guys. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's what this podcast is all right. about. You're right with that. With that, uh, I don't think I find that with art. Like my my dad did not encourage me to go into artist, uh, like into acting as much because he old knew, school English probably guy knew how tough it was. Yeah. And... Born in '45 in Britain, saw the valley. It's still very much a product of that class system in a way. Like my dad um, has a very upper class sort of British accent, and yeah. it's, it's not necessarily where he's from. It's just it's, it was necessary as a skill to survive in that system in England. My mom doesn't give a fuck. She does whatever, um, and so it's to the point where like. He kind of thought, well, you need to get a real job and you need to get sort of – and then once I found stand-up – Did they actually do that whole, hey, you should probably find a real job my as a backup? Did, my dad did, yeah. My, yeah, yeah, Because well, yeah. I dropped out of school at 16, right? I, I don't have a high school education. And that was really – to him, that was like, oh – It doesn't just, show. <laughs> I mean, it's not like any of us walk around with our diplomas. Yeah. But like at a certain point, you're sort of like – Yeah. I mean – but you've decided to th- this is what you're going to do. So. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, it's one of the few jobs where you can actually survive. In fact, a lot of the people who do it have managed to – it's not – the education system is not necessarily designed for people who are – I don't want to say free thinkers because that's really not fair to people who, are, who succeed in education. But people who kind of operate outside of that structure, if you're not good at it, particularly when I was going to high school and, and elementary school and stuff into the 80s and the early 90s, 
there really was no, if you just didn't pay attention or something, or weren't, it, it wasn't the idea that something was challenging or you learned differently. It was like, he's an idiot, get him out of here. <laughs> and so I was just, when I turned 16, I, one day, at, like a month after I turned 16, I heard a conversation, two kids saying, oh man, 16, I can drop out now if I want. I was like, that's a thing? And they're like, yeah. And I immediately went down and dropped out. Like I was like oh. I was like and I'm done and I went home. So you actually and, went to an office to do it? You yeah. just didn't like uh, no, oh, I actually, show up no, tomorrow. I went to the and office. So your parents had no your parents had no um they didn't have to get your parents any kind of legal, legal documents or anything because you're no. 16. You can make no. that decision at on your own. At the time, yeah, at the time I walked down to – What if that's – is that – where were you, in BC at the time? That's in BC, yeah. And I walked down to the office and I said to them, I'd like to drop out of high school. And they're like, no, um, no, that's not – I was like, no, no, I know I can and I'd like to. And then you have to get some teachers to sign things. Right. So I had to go around and get the teachers to sign things and every teacher released me from – and three of the teachers knew exactly why I was doing it. And the other three didn't give a fuck. So right, right, I right. just left. And, well, then, and, um, what, and what what did you tell them? Like, uh, uh, well, my my drama teacher, the one that really cared a lot. Oh, um, I, yeah, I imagine she the drama understood. Teacher was... uh, my social studies teacher at the time was this really uh, great name, Mr. Stewart. He totally got it, and he was like, "Yeah, I get it." And then the other ones, I was just like, I mean, they're, they're keeping track. This is when class sizes thirty five, thirty six kids. They they don't care. Yeah, you know, yeah they, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. keep track as much as they can. But then there comes a point when they go, "Look, I'm not going to talk this kid into." Uh, and and it's a real gamble. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but it was just I knew that I didn't belong where I was. And I thought, I'll just take a few months and then go back to school, do something. I just never did. I went to uh, fine art school for three months just as a fill-in to, to fill a couple of credits because I thought I'll go. And then I got a, an acting gig during that time, and I was like, this is what I do. And right. I left. And then when I found stand-up when I was uh, 22, I walked on stage at the Vancouver Yuck Yucks, and I was just like, this is it. This is it. And from then on, it's just been – I mean, I had a real – the th weird thing is I got a job job. I got a corporate job working for Shaw Cable as a manager for one of their call centers without a high school diploma, which I shouldn't have been able to do. I talked myself into this job. Which is I, the whole point of a call center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah being able to talk yeah, your yeah, way through things. Being able to talk your way through things. And, and I was just – I was miserable in that job, and then I – I'd done stand-up for six months, loved it, but then realized I had you know, a real job trying to be responsible. you got to pay the rent because in the beginning, stand-up's yeah. not going to give you yeah. the ton of money oh, we yeah. all make now. Yeah, yeah. and, and even, <laughs> yeah, the pots of gold that we're sitting on yeah. while we do this. But also, particularly in the West, too, and 2000, you know, like that time period, sort of 98 through about 2004, was really bad for comedy. Everything had crashed. There was nothing. The development deal system was gone. Right. Well, especially so all the in Vancouver. Come, especially yeah, in Vancouver. Really bad in Vancouver. Because, you know, the Vancouver scene is so tied to, hey, we're going to keep going down to LA, mm -hmm. and when that's not really going well, it really affects it, because yeah. let's be honest, Vancouver is a great scene, but you're always tied to Seattle or LA. Yeah. Uh, that's the benefit of being in, in Vancouver. Yeah. In yeah. Toronto, you have the benefit of a much bigger yeah. um, system of like TV and film, yeah. so it's not as much affected by that, yeah. but yeah, for sure, Vancouver There's, there's more, period. I mean, I think that the, the, the way the country breaks down, I think it's kind of interesting. There's two sort of scenes that, that matter in the country in terms of, and this is not to knock other scenes, but in terms of progression as either stand-ups or, in, like, if you want to we, we all know that if you want to get successful in Canada, in the business, in pretty much any capacity, it's Toronto. You have to be there. Uh, you have to be successful in that scene. Well, I, I, think, could, I could debate that. I could say if you want to play the game by the certain set of rules. There you yes. go. Okay. Yes. Well, if you want to get on, on you know, whatever. Some uh, shitty TV show, but some a writing show, show that you yeah, can make 50 grand yeah, a year yeah. and still be able to do your stand-up yeah. and do your art. I get it. Yeah, yeah that's a Toronto yeah. thing. Sure. I think Vancouver is, is the grind-out place where it's hard. Like, there's not a lot of full-time comedians who earn out there. There's only about a half a dozen. <clears throat> Of us. Well, you know, I've always said my it, theory about know. Vancouver has always been the same since the first time, like in the mid '90s. I've been there till I haven't been there in a couple of years. So mm -hmm. I'll say until say 2008, mm -hmm. and that is there's always been six to eight really super funny dudes in Vancouver, mm -hmm. like headliners. Yeah, 
And then what happens is one either moves, one either stops doing it, mm-hmm. and a young guy kind of moves up. Yeah, that's basically right? the, it's and, the highlighter. And that's kind of yeah. that's not knocking it, saying there's not other funny people mm-hmm. there. But I'm saying headliners that probably could make a living. Yeah, they probably don't because they want to have a better living. Yeah, yeah. But they could live as a as a yeah. comic. Yeah. And that is what kind of Vancouver is. Toronto, there may be more, but that's always kind of been Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And to me, um, that's not always a bad thing because that second level of pool. There always seemed to be in 2000 on more. I want. I don't, I don't want to use the baseball analogy, but or the hockey analogy. But that second rung, there's always more funny dudes in Vancouver mm-hmm. than Toronto. Yeah, there was always more funny in numbers of headliners in yeah. Toronto. Yeah, but that second rung, trying to fight to get up to that spot number six, there was more in Vancouver. I think there's an extremely good good way of looking at it because, and I think that still holds true. We have what we do is we have because because Vancouver is a very small seen in terms of amounts of comics doing it but it's also extremely competitive but not necessarily in a negative way it's got this kind of weird environment where yeah you're right you've got those headliners that float around at the top and those guys are the guys that like um guys like myself who have to make the living just as a stand-up i'm on the road most of the time so uh it is time i mean and if you have a family and stuff it's that's hard to do i wouldn't want to be on the road with kids as much as i am um so i those guys some people yeah you're right they kind of back out of it full time just because they're like i don't want to do this anymore like i can't live in a hotel room um, so the actual road dog comics, there's a few of those, and you're right, that lower, but that secondary scene, it goes through periods where it's extremely good, and we yeah. get a lot of really good guys. But what happens is those guys do leave. Like we had a bunch that just yeah, that just kind of left. They, yeah, they, they go they to Toronto to and they go. Next, yeah, yeah. That six, that level of the six, because yeah. they're still there. Yeah, they have to leave. They go to Toronto. Yeah. They go to L.A. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's exactly right. Dog, yeah. Like you're talking yeah, yeah, about. you got it. It's the only way out. So I think you're right. I think Toronto has um, more good comics overall, right. um, but it's I think it's more spread out. But also, there's more work in Toronto. Like you can travel more. You don't have to go as far to do that. I mean, for us, the nearest town on the mainland that you can drive to to do a gig is four hours. So, right. like, I mean, well, with the exception of Whistler, which is once in a while. So for me, I mean, like we were talking about, I have to be on this side of the Isn't Rockies. Isn't there like every six months a Squamish uh, comedy festival that you guys do? And- <laughs> Actually, I think we got a new comedy festival coming now. I don't know what's happening. Right, right. Every so often, someone says they're like, they're like, oh, we got a Vancouver comedy festival. I'm like, really? Yeah. When's that? And then you don't hear about it. You're like, we had one, and yeah. it was like they brought in Todd Glass for the night. Yeah, like, that's yeah, a yeah. festival. Well, <laughs> yeah. And I love Todd, but I'm like, that's not a festival. Yeah, or like a weekend of shows somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, we brought in a couple of guys who've been on TV to the club. Oh, that's a festival. Oh, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. But but, um, but I think this one, actually, they got a new one coming, which is supposed to be good. They brought in um, Maria Bamford just to do the pre yeah, thing for yeah. She's so good. Her new yeah. stuff is so good, mm-hmm. man. She's so dark now, which is, oh, yeah. like, fantastic. Um, and so, yeah, so Vancouver has this kind of cool kind of uh, underground sort of, like – it's like um, – I remember like Rocky Four when Rocky was like training in the, like Drago had like the gym when he had all like oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like so Vancouver to me is like Rocky running up the hill with the, like the, no right. one's paying attention well, I always but you're like, lifting weights the whole time if you're yeah. if you're a comic in Vancouver I think a lot of people it's just I mean Vancouver's a beautiful city yeah so I think it's always people love Vancouver yeah. as well yeah. well that's, that's the reason it's six days that's yeah what it's, I, like, yeah. like Erica Sergeson's not going anywhere no, no. you know she's have a, she has a life yeah, yeah. she uh you know a relationship she yeah. really enjoys Vancouver yeah. I'm not sure she's a mountain person she might yeah be, yeah she is I, she's a camper and, right, a, and a, a kayaker camper, and, and I, like you're not going to get that in Toronto mm, yeah yeah you might make a few more bucks yeah but the happiness side of your life yeah. is not going to increase like it's like someone like Craig Campbell loves the mountains, you mm-hmm. know. That it may, kind of makes sense. It's one of the reasons I stay. I camp all the time, and I love I canoe, right. and I do love it out there. And also family too, 
and and I found that for me, I I can find the balance of doing what I want to do there and, and earning a living. And and my lady friends in UBC right now too, so that's a that's a permanence for at least a while. Right. I mean, I've talked I've thought about moving to the UK for a bit, and and, and I mean, lived in LA for a while. UK jumped the shark, man. It has a bit, yeah. Um, it's just so easy for me to work because I was born there, so it's Same. just the no paper. Yeah, so it's Same. like the no papers thing is so attractive. Yeah, yeah. But the the states is always a market that's open, and you're right, Seattle's a good scene. Um, yep. That goes through fluctuations, but LA is always there, and that's getting better now too. I noticed even since when I started going to LA, the scene there is become they're actually it used to be a lot of people looking for backways in the industry and now you still have those guys but now i think you're starting to see a resurgence of actual comedians in los angeles again because they have that own weird thing with the la new york combat right yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. east coast west coast yeah, sort of yeah. Thing. Now, you, you your your style of this kind of high energy and i kind of fall into the same category mm-hmm. high mm-hmm. energy kind of train and mm-hmm. kind of barrels over yeah and i get this question asked to me so i'm going to ask it to you mm-hmm. as well do you ever worry about <clears throat> the idea that the energy is overtaking the material like the crowd is just laughing mm-hmm. like for me i can tell mm-hmm. the difference of when they're laughing at what i'm saying mm-hmm. or whether i'm just an angry guy getting mm-hmm. all worked up hey look at the little funny guy getting all mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. you know yeah. they're not they're not hearing my jokes about the, yeah. the points i'm trying to make they're just hearing the kind of shiny, shiny around them. Yeah. Do you ever like worry about that, or is it just something? It's like you know what? This is what I do, and, and, that's and this it. is how I, I do I it. I think there's a little bit of both. Like part of me is very much like because uh, when I started out, I would I was uh, a lot more. Like I, I'm, I'm learning to control it much. Like it's kind of to me the, the analogy is like turning on a fire hose and just letting it go. Like right. there's only so much control I have. But what I have learned now is that I, it's the way I deliver. It's the way I will always deliver. It's who I am. But what I have learned is to try and meter that energy. So that if I'm getting wound up about something, to make sure that if I want to really get wound up about it, I wait until the points are made, or I can make sure that that kind of leave that drop off for a second so they can hear the the word yes, and then move yeah. on. And uh, I, I watch you do the same thing where you control exactly. So it's a great tool to have that energy, especially if it's natural, which it obviously is right. um, for both of us. Like you have that energy where you go, this is how I want to express myself. But I think if you're conscious of where the words are landing and when they're coming. Um, like I have a bit that I did at the end of my last special um, about identity theft. And I took a couple of punchlines out of it because I found that the laughter, they were good punchlines too, it was painful to do, but I found that the laughs they were, they were giving were rolling over. I was pushing the laughs and then I was rolling over the points I wanted to make. Right. And so I made the conscious effort to almost put the speed brakes on it just a little bit sure. because I'd already given them 55 at that time of whatever. Right. So I figured I had the license to do that and pull back. And I enjoyed that process. I really liked pulling it back. It's not something I can do with everything and then you have the natural question of you know you look at your stuff and go well why are they laughing and what are they laughing at well yeah and yeah. I try to avoid if I don't know why because like, especially if you've done stuff for a while you start to go well what's the point like why am I why are they laughing at this because you right. don't find it funny anymore right. at the point um, but you know people always say like some some people say to me you know you scream out of insecurity of your material mm-hmm. You know, and you do this because of, you know, your, your insecurity of this and that. Mm-hmm. And my attitude has always been, it's like, in music, people go up to punk rockers and go, you know, you scream because you're insecure. Perfect. Right? You know, you don't, That's exactly you don't go right. up to a heavy metal singer yeah. and go, you know what, uh, I yeah. want to hear what you're saying only in yeah. a ballad. All right, that was the first segment of our uh, conversation that uh, Darren Frost and I had with Simon King uh, while we were uh, staying in Calgary, doing the club there. And uh, we will be right back after these words with more with Simon King. This is, no- this is November 27th, 2013. Anything goes. See you soon. Or hear from you soon. Or you'll hear from us. Guess which host says there's no shame in sleeping in a minivan. This is Anything Goes. 
is Erica Sigurdsson. You're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius FM. XM. 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 Yeah. Fuck. Don't worry. You know, we'll... Everyone's done it. Yeah, that's okay. From Vancouver has said FM. Hey, this is Erica Sigurdsson. You're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius XM. That's great. Even though we'll probably use the one where you screwed up. Still waiting for the bestiality videos to get their own category at the Adult Video Awards. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. All right, greetings, everybody. Uh, this is Anything Goes for the week of November 27th, 2013. My name's Dave Martin, and uh, we are Darren Frost Free this week in the studio. Uh, there's a sound effects machine that I have uh, that's uh, taking the place of Darren Frost. Uh, how do you think the show's going so far, Darren? Oh, my goodness. What a horrible thing to say. I don't think that's true at all. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking with Simon King, and uh, now we're going to go right back to this interview with him and uh, where we talk about celebrities and uh, other bullshit. So here we go. Second part with Simon King. I, I had a guy say to me once when I conversation, he was being a bit of a prick, and he said to me, he's like, he's like, you're proud of yourself, you like what you do. I was like, you don't understand. This is as honest as I get. This is who right. I am. Right. Around everyone else, I'm I try to keep myself because you can't be that guy walking around the mall because you won't be on the mall anymore. But I'm like, when I get on stage, that's the that's the period of time where I I can actually let go of the handlebars and just pedal as fast as I want, and it seems to make sense. And he said, and I'm not letting anyone take that away from me. And you know what? The fact of the matter is, if it didn't if it didn't work, if it, if it wasn't successful, you wouldn't be able to make a living as a comic. You wouldn't be sure. able to do it. So, it, it, like we talked about last night. Certain. Why should all comics have to do the same thing? You know, why should all? It's like all musicians don't do the same well, thing. Well, yeah, I know that's you know? Well, yeah, we split. Yeah, it's you know, exactly it's like right. Nobody wants. Like for me, it's about passion. You know, yeah. and if but you can also understand that certain comics are not going to enjoy it mm-hmm. because they're like it just seems like a yeah. like a railroad, you know, yeah. like a train that yeah. just keeps on going, and there's no uh, highs and lows to it. Yeah, you know, like a Jeremy Hotz. You know, Jeremy Hotz is just like a fucking unbelievable monster mm-hmm. in six minutes. Mm-hmm. But I've also seen him in 45. Mm-hmm. In 45 minutes, you can't be that monster for 45 mm-hmm. whole minutes. Yeah, you can't. But I think what happens is a lot of people only see you in seven minutes, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, comics aren't going to go see you headline. Yeah, yeah, they, know they don't you. care. Yeah. They're only going to see that seven minutes, just like yeah. me, and go, it's just, eh. yeah. yeah, because I've I actually had people see me. I had a guy who hadn't seen me do an hour before, and we went on the road together, and, right. and he said, Oh, he's like, oh, so for an hour. I'm like, yeah, you can't do that. You can't pedal right. the metal the whole time. No. You, you do – I do 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 fast, 20 like easier for them and 20 fast. And then they feel like the whole thing has been insane. But the other thing is too is like you're not going to get – I mean that's a lot of energy to expend sometimes Absolutely. for no real reason yeah. if they're not – and you feed off them. If they're into it, you're into it. In it. But I, I feel that's an organic and natural process. And I, I think the last thing you should be doing on stage – is second guessing how you deliver if you're in a comfortable place, um, and I've also tried it. Like I've tried my jokes at normal speed. I've tried them slowly. They still work. Yeah. They still, um, but I don't like them because right. I don't feel good. And I'm like, this has to be about you as well. It has to be symbiotic. No, I understand, but I think so, sometimes yeah. it's important to do them at half speed because yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. Because I want to make sure, like I said, maybe I'm just self conscious about mm-hmm. it. 
I don't want it to ever be about just the energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So if I whisper something and it gets a moderate laugh, I know when I add the energy, it's going to be a little bit bigger. That's exactly the thing. But though. I know that at least that laugh is there, yeah. that the joke is pure. Yeah. And if anybody who – because I've gotten – I've gotten – like guy will watch me for a weekend. Mm-hmm. He'll watch, you know – Thursday night, mm-hmm. it's slow. Yeah. You know, Friday, full crowd, it's like a, a train, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boom, and boom, he'll, boom. they'll be like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. But it took that two or three times yeah. to see a long set to yeah. know that it's not just all one level, yeah. one switch. And I think it's, it's, especially if you're doing something that's, I mean, there's not a lot of, not a lot of comics that do that, that specific kind of high energy, constant, sort of like, almost like a blitzkrieg kind of comedy. Right, right. And so, because the majority of comedy is people speaking into a microphone, Pausing, waiting for life. Those of us who don't tend to really aren't interested in audience input and just kind of do what they do. It is a foreign thing and it's strange to look at. And you're right. It, it's the music analogy is absolutely perfect because if someone grows up listening to rock and roll and they think rock and roll is the hardest, and then you you put them in a room with you know Glasshead or, or like or even like Ramones or something like that, they're just like, what the hell is this constant thing? Right. And it has one or two effects. Either people go, I never knew this existed. This is amazing. Or they go, not for me. And that is fine. There's nothing wrong with it not being for you. There are millions and millions of people who love stand up comedy and you know we don't have to have all of them like what we do if we if we try and cater too much too that's also disingenuous so if the trick in comedy is to be as honest as possible um and then you become disingenuous in your delivery system but the material is honest you're only 50 percent there i think you should have to you should try and just be as natural as possible and if natural is screaming until your lungs hurt that's natural because that's what gets me through it that's what makes sense to me and that's what quiets the noise in my head so i i I've been through this. I've been through the, you know, I've been an apologist for it too. And then I sat down one day and went, look, why am I trying to prove myself? And I think as you get older too, as a comic, you develop. Oh, for sure. Go, why am I trying to explain myself to people who will never get it or don't want to get it? Because I never asked them to explain to me. I don't think they're never not going to get it. They just don't agree with it. Yeah, but I never asked them. I never go up to, like, I I would never go up to, like, a Stephen Wright and go, explain why you can't just put some energy in this. Like, why don't you have any love for this? Zip it up a bit. Yeah, yeah, come on. You can get a bunch more. Kevin Fox used to say to me that I should uh, get paid three times as much as a regular comic because the amount of jokes I put in, he's like, you're packing it in. I was like, yeah, but I love it, though. To me, it's like... Like, I like that. I, I don't like hang, hanging on. I mean, I'll hang on words. And I find, too, and you probably find this, too, that when you, when you do decide to stop that train for a second, it's like pin drop. And they focus so well because, like, what the, like what's Yeah, I mean, happened? I used to be a much more of a, uh, uh, you know, a full-on for 45 minutes to an hour. Mm. I find it now it's just because um, uh, just where I am personally. Mm-hmm. I am preferring the quieter moments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm preferring the building of tension mm-hmm. to then – be the railroad and push through. Well, I noticed that last pop. night with you too. Yeah. When I saw you set last night, I noticed that you would you were doing a lot of you were doing a little more lead in than I'd seen you do. Right. I haven't seen you in a couple of years, but right. the stuff that I saw you do, I saw you were like, I'm like, he's building the house of cards and he's going to knock the thing right. out. And right. He's building the house of cards, and that's really fun to do too. And and I find particularly when you. The more, like for me, the more I ventured into darker and darker material, um, the more I really want to make sure they hear all the words for two reasons. One, because you're saying stuff that they're just like, uh, if they hear one word and miss the rest, it's going to be confusing. And the other thing is you want to make sure that those points are made and you, the satisfaction of getting that point across and doing that in a way is is you know, is really good. And then when you hit him with the energy too, then you put that all kind of as a piece. But yeah, that, that draw out time when they're like, what's he? Cause I have a set, I have a better start with now where I go, um, 
we're all afraid of black people, right? And then the bit is about how we're afraid of accidentally being racist and stuff. But that, I hang on that line because it's such a weird thing to say. I really do enjoy that, like, what the hell did he just like? So or, I'm yeah, learning that, that stuff. Uh, yeah. Where is he going with this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sometimes like uh, like the baby coffin stuff or anything like that, just waiting for them to try and figure out how the hell he's going to explain this. Right. That's kind of fun. You can watch their gears turning. Yeah, I don't know if anyone would ever actually speci- like, specialize in baby coffins. <laughs> that would be sort of like, I think I would be like, you know, it's coffins, right? I, I created a hypothetical business for yeah. the purpose of yeah. making a point about anti-vaccination like, uh, laws. I thought, although in the 40s, I think there was milkmen and then baby coffin makers. Yeah, yeah. That's the I think, I think and then they teamed up together. Yeah, then I think I think if the baby coffin people went door to door, that would be even extremely <laughs> fucked up. That's, that's, an freaking, baby, <laughs> that's an ominous freaking. That's an ominous We all know polio's around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might as well keep a couple of these in the closet. Looks like you're ripe with child again. <laughs> you referenced Jenny McCarthy last night, too. Yeah. Do you think you find I just find her it's like these celebrities that get a couple people yeah. that have opinions yeah. and they're just they absorb yeah. that. Well, oh, I guess that's true. And yeah, you know, the, just that the amount of uh, I just the and that celebrity power to have. Uh, I personally don't care about celebrities who have opinions. I just no. don't like it when the media uh, attaches so much to them. Everyone should yeah. have their opinion and yeah. to say them. Yeah. It's, just, it's more the media than the celebrity yeah. who are just uh, framing it a certain way so everyone hears it. And it's when people believe, like people blindly believe that because a celebrity said it, it has more weight no, than no, an no, average that, person. That bothers issue. me too. My yeah. issue is all the people that love Jenny McCarthy uh, and think that she, if she's saying something, yeah. she has some vast knowledge of it and yeah. really probably you know one or two doctors might I, have bumped. I think if my child had autism and mm-hmm. the only person I was really listening to is Jenny McCarthy. Yeah, he's, yeah. Well, and that's the well, thing too, and that that's part of it too. You're what? No, you deserve if you're if you're not yeah. going to go outside of just some celebrity what they're telling you. Yeah. And your kid is uh, have that condition, then yeah. you deserve what you. But get. Yeah. It's, it's a sad thing because I mean the the media does put a spotlight on these people. Yeah. I know, I agree. And 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 then there's um, a lot of people that just hey, well Jenny McCarthy said yeah. it. I mean it, you know whether it's about uh, you know autism and you know vaccines if and stuff like that. She never had a child with that problem. Do you think anybody would ever have said, well, Jenny McCarthy said it? No. Well, no, because no. she would have been just seen as this kind yeah. of bimbo-y kind of TV personality. Yeah. If, she didn't, if she didn't have a child with that issue, then... Uh, she wouldn't be interested in she, it. Yeah, she wouldn't even bring it which up. Is, be, which is the paramount point here, too, right. is that is that it, we, we... I mean, there's two reasons, for me, with that joke particularly, there's two reasons I wanted to do it. Um, one, I just wanted to say baby coffins on stage a bunch. I mean, right. let's face it, that's just where you want to go. But no, in reality, I wanted to talk about um, not just the, the anti-vaccination movement, which... And that... I didn't get to expand on it last night, but basically through that, but I want to talk about misinformation and why we, you know, why we just blindly listen to people, but then also why some people are allowed to exist. And it's not just the media or anyone. It, we, we allow them to exist above the law. Chris Brown is a good example of this. I mean, his number one fan base is young women. Right. I mean, Which hello, you can't be, cr- you can't be wearing domestic violence ribbons and going, well, it's wrong, but my favorite singer is a guy. So to me, I look at it and I go, and Michael Vick too with the, you know, you can't be a member of PETA and then still watch, you know, the, the, yeah, to me, I look at it and I go. Brought up on, a, on one of the shows like yesterday. What drives me crazy is when people win the war and they thank God first. Yeah. But everything they've ever said on record goes against everything in the Bible. Yeah. Drive-by yeah. shooting, drugs, yeah. hurting people. Yeah. You know, it just it's kind of yeah. And, and 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 that's the thing is like I think that the the onus is on us as 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 a people to start to look past. Look, celebrities exist for many reasons. One, it's a huge economic engine. Two, it, it's like winning the lottery. It's people like the idea that they can be and now. Days too with YouTube and everything else, people believe that they can be famous. It's a way out. Whatever, it's but the a useful also tool. Also benefits from celebrities Precisely. because it takes the uh, view off of them and, mm-hmm. and every day yeah. of what they're yeah. 
yeah. doing. And it's like, oh, shiny, yep. look over here. Yep, that's exactly they right. It in the war, they're like, oh, look at this. It's this person is doing great. Extremely doing good movie. system of control. And and so and our problem is is that uh, that most of us. Um, you know, kind of ignore it. But some people really fall for it. I had a woman come up to me after a show in Saskatoon because they did this bit about um, Kim Kardashian and how uh, she's just useless and basically well, yeah, the, the, yeah. Bit, the bit is about how she serves no purpose. And, other and than, Yeah, other than a distraction and something. Well, that's the point. And that's the point I'm making is that like we we deserve better than this. To and So this woman comes up to me and she goes, I liked everything you said except the Kim Kardashian thing. And I said, why? And she's like, well, she's pretty. And I was like, hold on, think about what you just said. And she, I said, she, like, why? And she's like, well, she's got to, you know, I said, so you're basically saying where this woman's fat is located on her body allows her to, to take up space for no reason. And she, she said, I said to her, what do you do? And she's like, well, I work with abused foster children. I'm like, you're one of the good people. You're helping. Right. So I said, why, what if Kim Kardashian worked with abused foster children? How much more help would that be? She's like, well, I guess a lot. I said, but she doesn't do anything. She's look, if you're famous, you're famous. That's, that's great. Good for you. And no one's saying you have to change the world. But, and I'm not saying you have to get politically active and everything, but I would rather have a George Clooney going out and saying this and that and this and doing something than have a Kanye West, or not, well, Kanye West is crazy, but then have a Kim Kardashian who does nothing, right. who serves no purpose. But I think, you know what, I think people almost celebrate sometimes the fact that she does nothing mm-hmm. and she, she made it. And it's she, the American dream. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, That's it's, the American dream. Well, it, I think it's the American dream My mom and dad fucked, now. they were semi-famous, yeah. and now, hey, look at me. The, yeah. I, I think that's become the American dream yeah. of just... Uh, famous for uh, nothing. Little effort, big reward. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, at one time it was like you, you know, you work hard, yeah. and you know, you you raise a family, you raise kids, you start a business, and uh, everything will work out for you, and you're yeah. going to get taken care of by you know your hard effort. The but irony I is, I don't think I don't think that that's the case now. It's now it's like, hey, you know, look at yeah. me, I'm over here, and uh, and now I'm famous for it, th- or people just being famous for who they are. Yeah, which is sort of like at the same, you know, that's royalty. And what the irony is is that America loves royalty. They love the royals more than the the British love. Royals and so the Kim Kardashian to them she she basically her job description is the same as royalty yeah, she does yeah, nothing she has a lot of money and then everyone was excited that she had a kid but what also, the hell is that like <laughs> well but, but also at the same time I mean as much as and it's the old thing of like as much as we like to build them up we love to watch them get oh that's down. the ba- that's the best but because then you can feel okay about your nine kids and your you know toothless smile because hey Brad Pitt turns out he's got some sort of a heroin problem I guess he's not perfect well, right. dude like that. That's the thing. Like yeah, yeah, you can t- and that's why racism is incredibly popular because on paper it's a really great idea. You mean none of this is my fault? Nope, it's Puerto Ricans. Right. And then <clears throat> you, you know, it's great because it, it means that you don't have to do anything. And and the people that that appeals to, that will always appeal to. Well, yeah, just to find you know, a, they're another, never gonna another stop. way that something is not your fault. Yeah, yeah, it's always got to be some it's either it's either Obamacare or it's George W. Bush or it's something some there's always someone to blame. I, and I, when you really yeah. come down to it, at least there's God and the devil. Actually, and you know, what's funny is that now it's, it's now it's like, I mean, Fox News was the people that really in, created the term Obamacare. It's mm-hmm. the Affordable Health Care Act. Mm-hmm. It's not Obamacare. No. And, but now it's like all these other news outlets. It's like Obamacare, yeah. Uh, Obama, Obamacare because they just uh, Fox was just shoving down people's throats. Fox like, News oh, is I guess that's what uh, they call it. Fox News is the most amazing propaganda but, engine. But it's, I it's, love. I, I got You know what? I hate them, but I got to take my hat off to them. They really know what they're doing. Like but, it's, oh, they're, it's, it's them, phenomenal. It's just, they just know how to play the game. They oh, it's phenomenal! The it's well, phenomenal, and they what? know without, their guys. Without any of this, without hypocrisy, we'd all be just milkmen. <laughs> yeah, it's true. hypocrisy, a lot of yep. there'd be no stand-up comedy. Yeah, there would. It's true. Forms. It's true. All, all the oh, comics we... that I like or have liked over the years, it's all yep. generally hypocrisy yep. based. It's or hypocrisy. Or we'd all be Jerry Seinfeld, which or, is yeah. again 
Jerry Seinfeld's great, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but know. it would all be the same note. And that's the thing is like is that without things to get mad, at, like I I get ragey on stage because I am ragey about these things, right. and I want to express this, and I want people. I would rather people hate me than ignore me. I would rather them get mad well, me, and walk it's out. The same thing. Yeah. Like I really think yeah, a crowd that hates me to the point that booing and screaming yeah. is the same emotion yeah. as them laughing and cheering. Yeah. And if, if I've tried to get them laughing and cheering and at the 20-minute mark it's flipped to them all hating me, yeah. then I'm going to make sure they see something they've never seen before. Yeah. And that's going to – the end result to me is the same thing because yeah. they're going to be remembered. Yeah, get happy, you know? get angry, or get out. I mean, This just comes down to – I don't want – the last thing I want is that person just sitting there going, mm-hmm. Like I hate that. Well, it's like and when you used to watch like when when uh, when like wrestlers would come out uh, from the you know the backstage area to the ring. It's sort of like well, uh, as long as they're they're either cheering or booing you. As if, as long as they're not quiet. Yeah, that, that's the worst yeah. thing. Yeah, when they're quiet because then they just don't. Then you're and the problem is there's so much today. Like we have particularly in the developed world, we have so many things to take our minds off the things we need to deal with um, that we're getting to the point where like I mean, and I'm not I'm not trying to be grandiose enough to say the stand-up comics are going to change. But we are a part of the engine that raises a little bit of that. We're not telling people stuff they don't know. We're letting them know that they're not alone in thinking it, which is a really important thing to do because when you talk to a room full of people and you say something, say out of that 100 people, 90 of them, that doesn't resonate with them. But the 10 that it resonates with, maybe five of them might do something and that might inspire a bunch more people. So we're not... Like I say, we're not the firemen. We're the guys yelling fire. And so hopefully, to me, to my mind, those of us who are doing um, more socially conscious or more uh, material that are trying to get people aware, and, and nothing that's anything wrong with any other kind of material because I love Brian Regan. I, I think he's one of my favorite comics ever. Oh, sure. Um, and he's not inspiring people to flip over cars and light shit on no, fire. No, no, he's, no. he's wonderfully honest because that is who that dude is. But it's the music industry. There has to be Burt Bacharach for every motorhead. Yeah, there has to be, and precisely. And yeah. so if you're going to be a motorhead, then, then you, I think you're going to do it to the nth degree. You know, you choose your path or the path chooses you however you end up there. But, like, I just get to the point where I'm like, okay, I don't want to – now I want to start really finding my group of people and finding who's on my side and finding – and because I'm never going to get the, the ones that are far away from me. But the gray area people, those are the ones I want because the ones that are, you're preaching to convert it, they're with you. They'll follow you everywhere you go. The ones in the middle, the right, ones that yeah. don't know you exist until you come into that room and half of them leave with you. That's the best shit. Yeah, I mean the, the thing when we were talking about before with the uh, when we were talking about the whole you know Fox News and Jenny McCarthy is that what's the deadliest about thing about that is when people don't realize that you know you have your your Sean Hannity's and Bill O'Reilly's that they're just when it's uh, opinion disguised as news, uh, and that's the same thing with uh, Jenny McCarthy. People mm. don't people think that she's yeah. spouting off facts yeah. when it's really just her opinion, and we don't really yeah. know anything. That's that's the and um, when we were talking about uh, how how desirable that Kim Kardashian level of, uh, of, of fame is, mm. is because then people, when people see her and realize, oh, wow, she's famous for nothing, and then they're like, oh, well, I'd like to do that. Yeah. But then it's... I like the, to do nothing, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because it's sort of... The, but then it's sort of like, oh, well, then what are the other ways of being famous? Oh, you have to work, and it, yeah. it's hard, yeah. and you have to go to auditions, and you have to, you know, uh, memorize your lines before you show up to work. It's just like... A, it's uh, you think well why can't Kanye I just, may be crazy, why can't I just be me? Works. He works and he works he hard. Works like a yeah, 
and he's he's out of his fucking mind. Yeah. But he but he but, but he, he does and he does things. it while he's out of his mind, which is yeah. quite impressive actually. No, but, but then at the at the end of the day, it's sort of like is he out of his mind or is he just playing a character? Well, and that's the thing. Well, he's the wrestler. And, and then yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's the he heel, man. And that's the thing is, and if he is, more power to him. Um, to me, I look at it and I go, at least yeah, at least you you can say a lot of things about guys like that. You can say a lot of things. I mean, we can all hack on Nickelback and Avril Lavigne and people like that all we want, but in reality, they're going and doing something. The ones that really bother me are the ones that 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 serve no purpose or the ones that commit egregious acts or something and are allowed to skate through on it. I mean, I'm not saying, look, there's so much injustice in the world. We, the bankers and all that, the financial shit yeah. alone, we could do an hour on that. But people don't care about that. They don't pay not attention. Enough, and if, yeah, and if they it's did, too, too if they did, these guys would be in irons. Like yeah. the Rob Ford thing is happening because he's this bombastic, ridiculous media presence guy. Yeah, he's a fat dude that smokes crack. Precisely, and it's funny, and and it's well, and it's the biggest city works. in the country too. So there's a lot of folk, and he's and he's in the media a lot. People know. Let's face it. If this was the first thing, like the Montreal mayor scandal. No one really talked about that out west at all because we didn't oh, the know. Mafioso didn't care. Connections yeah. And, yeah, which was yeah. in reality probably a bigger deal, oh, sure. but course, nobody gave a shit about bigger. it because yeah. he didn't smoke crack and he didn't. Yeah, but there's no video and there's yeah. not a car. And he didn't call up radio it. stations with his big red face and go. Ah, yeah. So I think he that slip on uh, fall on a football field. And, yeah, I mean, it, we'd love to watch that thing, right? So it's he's a Chris Farley character and he just happens to <laughs> got caught and it's fantastic. So you yeah. just recorded another DVD. This yeah. was about a month ago. You did it. Uh, October twelfth, yeah, October so about 12th. a month, yeah, yeah, about. And when do you think that's going to be coming out? Um, well, right now we're just in. Uh, I'm going back actually to do the edit now because I'm doing the rough edit myself, and then it'll go through a second edit, and then um, we're going to see where we can find a home for it. The hope is Netflix in right. the U.S., um, but there had been talk about maybe trying to get it broadcast as well. So we're going to see what we do with it. I, either way, I would like to have the DVD out that can be purchased um, by the new year uh, right. for sure it's just this time of year so busy sure, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. yeah getting it out and getting it done it was a, it was a good one I'm proud of it I, I think it's a good starting point for, for the next step and then I've already started working the new stuff so I, I'm kind of getting into a cycle again you know sometimes you sit on that material for a long time and you don't want to work too much of the new stuff because you don't want to forget this until it's recorded and you're in sure. that weird yeah, yeah, yeah. finally that kind yeah, of splinters out of the wound yeah. and I can start again and so I'm in that kind of fun time where I'm like ah and January is going to be a lot of fun too because I got some, some fun dates coming up where I can just kind of just stretch Perfect. out and just do new okay, stuff. Okay, if and, people yeah. want to get a hold of Simon King, what's the best way? The website? Uh, the website's this is SimonKing.com or they can follow me on Twitter at Unfamous uh, or they can, yeah, they can uh, they can find me on Facebook and stuff. I'm around. Okay. Yeah, well, next time you're in Toronto because there's a lot more shit that I want yeah. to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, we, we can't get into it, yeah. but I, I always want to ask like, if, if someone came, do you ever party with audience members? How often yeah, yeah. do they ever ask if you want to do some coke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, you know, they see you on stage. They always think I'm on coke, yeah. Well, good, well they think yeah. I am too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. then it's sort of like, then you sort of like, oh, and then do you ever get off stage and then they still want to party with you and they're upset, but then just like, oh, well, where's that guy that was up on stage? <laughs> yeah, why is he back in his hotel room? Well, in that, in that well, hour and a half, that two, that two hours after the show, if I'm in a really good mood, that two hours after the show, I, I'll, I'll still be kind of hyper and silly because it'll be fun. Yeah, right. sure. um, You know, because you're coming down off that energy. And if it's a party environment, but it won't be like it is on stage. But they do, I get a lot of conspiracy theorists. I've started get a yeah. lot of those guys you must get a yeah, lot yep, of those yep, guys oh, too yeah. they come up to you and they're, they're always great because they always look like they just wandered out of the woods and they'll come up and they usually put a drink in front of you and go Sasquatch and then you're there for 20 minutes right <laughs> which is great but it's like but so I, I, I meet and I do tend to meet a lot of um, 
I'm, I'm starting to meet some really interesting people, some people who do, like I've had people ask me to come and speak to a university class. I had a youth pastor ask me to come and speak to his oh. youth, which I, I said, I was like, I don't know if you want to. He's like, no. He's like, I want you to talk about how religion isn't a thing and faith is a thing. I was like, but I'm an atheist. He's like, it doesn't matter. What you're saying makes sense. And I was like, I really like that. I found very, that very respectful. So, All right. Well, 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 yeah, we can, we should talk. Yeah, let's yeah, talk again. I'd forever. love to come back. Next time you're in Toronto, come down to the studio and, and we'll talk. And Thank you so more. much for having right. me, guys. Yeah, okay. Thanks a lot, Simon. All right, well, that wraps up our uh, little uh, chit-chat that we had with Simon King. Uh, I look forward to getting him back in the studio here in Toronto. Uh, there's lots of uh, other crazy bullshit we could be talking about. Uh, but uh, we got to go for another break. And uh, when we come back, we'll be talking to James Moore about his uh, Zach Alphanakis showing up in his comedy Monday night room. This is Anything Goes for the week of November 27th. Can you believe it? Oh, my God. Guess which host is upset that his death wish did not come true. This is Anything Goes. Hi, I'm Todd Barry, famous American comedian. You're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost. Proving once again cats are smarter than humans, this is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. All right, we are back from the break. This is Anything Goes for the week of November 27th, uh, 2013. Uh, my name's Dave Martin. In the studio this week, uh, we are Darren Frost free. Uh, I have a little sound effects machine that's taking his place, but uh, as we all know, he is, uh, he is so irreplaceable. And uh, uh, we are going to uh, go into an interview that Darren and I did with James Moore, who's a, um, a, a comic, a photographer, a motorcycle enthusiast. Uh, we're going to hear his entire interview on a pod on one of the podcasts coming up soon. But uh, this is just a segment of his inter- of the interview that we did with him, where he talks about uh, Zach Alphanakis showing up at his Monday night comedy room uh, in Calgary. It's a very very cool room. If you're a, a comic or you're a comedy fan, go and check this room out. Uh, it's every Monday night in Calgary at Broken City. And uh, here's James Moore talking about the. Zach Alphanakis appearance. We've kind of built a, a bit of a community here, and you know we've we've uh, carried on for a really long time mm-hmm. to get to the point now where we have on a Monday night a regular crowd of about a hundred people. Right. And it's not just audience that's seeking us out now; it's comedians that are seeking us out. And so again, that's part of the great re- reward of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you heard this story, but we had Zach Galifianakis. No, I, I remember hearing that. I mean, you know. It, and it, it, it's not to sound pretentious, but it, it, it was a, you know, people were talking about it in Toronto, just like, hey, my God, can you believe it? Who showed up here and who showed up there? And Well, it was quite a, it was quite a surprise again, yeah. but one of those brilliant moments, those really rewarding moments. And, and again, that's why you do it, so you can have a few of those. But now, just, you know, just to backtrack a bit, do you know how he found out about the room? Was he working with someone who said, hey, if you've got a night off because you're shooting something, you've got to come down and see this, or... No, I never got to ask him exactly he, how he heard about us. Right. But um, he was in town because um, he married a Canadian girl. Oh, okay. And she has family in Edmonton, and he was in the vicinity on a on a, like a family vacation, and somebody okay. left car keys on the table and turned their back on him for a while, and he was out the door on a Monday night, found his way all the way down to our room, which was great fun. Um, it was really interesting how it happened, though, because Zach Galifianakis, I mean, it's not like he walked into the, the room with, like a big star. I mean, he was, in many respects, he was almost unrecognizable. He'd 
lost a lot of weight. He had cut his beard a lot shorter. He was wearing a hat, and he had a pair of glasses on. So, I mean, it, it wasn't like he walked in there like a big star or anything right, like that. Right, yeah. He had he no was, entourage. No, was, yeah, completely yeah. unremarkable. He sat at the back of the room. I saw him sitting there. I didn't go, hey, that's Zach Galifianakis. But I saw him sitting there, and he was sitting there by himself through most of the show, and then about two-thirds of the way through the show, he walks up to me and he said, you're the guy that's running this open mic, and I'd sure like to jump up for five minutes. And by the way, my name's Zach Galifianakis. And I looked at him and I said, sure you are, buddy. But uh, oh, right, if there you, was that moment of like, you're not that. I, well, I just like, if you are Zach Galifianakis, then you, you've probably got a piece of identification that sort of backs that You carded up. him? So he gets out his wallet, (laughs) he gets out his his Visa card and and, uh, his state card and his driver's license. I was looking at the picture on the driver's license and Galifianakis, and I was like, that's the guy from the movie. Sure. So I handed back his ID, and I said, okay, just just a minute here. Simon King was in the room that night, and so was Dave Merhage. Dave was closing the show. So we already had a really good lineup. Right. But I walked up, and I was talking to the MC that night was uh, Aisha Alpha. And I said, uh, by the way, uh, the next guy in the show is not the next guy in the show. The next guy in the show is Zach Galifianakis. And she kind of gave me one of those sideways puppy dog, high-pitched looks like, huh? And right. I, said, I said to her again, the next guy on the stage is not the next guy on the stage. The next guy on the stage is Zach Galifianakis. And she gave me that look again like I was trying to put something over on her. I walked back to the, to the uh, control uh, booth, and, and Simon King was was standing there and I said, Simon, did you know that Zach Galifianakis is in the room tonight? And he said, no, where is he? And I pointed him out in the corner. I guess those guys knew each other from Vancouver. Right. So Simon walks over to talk to him. I made a couple of just arrangements to get him on the stage neck. And I walked over there and I said, okay, you're next. And so Aisha gets up on stage and says, okay, ladies and gentlemen, she said it again, very understated, your next performer, Zach Galifianakis. And this odd hush came over the room, and he got up on the stage, and everybody's head kind of turned, and they went, that's not Zach Galifianakis. And then he took off his hat, and he took off people, his glasses. People, not to interrupt you. people probably thought this was someone trying to imitate Zach when that's, he first walked that's on, That's what right? they thought. Or and then all of a sudden... Like a fake beard or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and Andrew, then, it'd, be per- it'd be hilarious. That was something Andrew Iwanek would do. That's yes. what they thought. We were probably yes. putting one over on him, but he takes his hat off, and then everybody goes like, wow, that's Zach Galifianakis. Sure. And it was really interesting because everybody that was sitting down stood up and everybody that was standing up took two steps towards the stage. So that was really interesting. Did he stick to his time? Um, He did almost five minutes spot on. And when he came off that stage, he blew the roof off of the place. It was awesome. Oh, good. And he was sitting at the back of the room at the end of the night, and I apologize for And see, this is something else that's really good, too. He didn't just fuck off. No, he hung around for a little while. Right, which is classy, really classy. He was an awesome guy. He was a very classy guy. that's classy, yeah. And I apologize for... for I'm not saying it's not classy if they have to take off, because sometimes people have to go and do things. But I'm just saying it's nice that he he stayed around and watched. Well, he watched most of the show before he got up. So, yeah, yeah, I think he was having fun. But I apologize for IDing him. But again, uh, here's what he gets out of it. The full knowledge that uh, if you're going to get on stage at Comedy Monday night and say that you're Zach Galifianakis, you're going to be Zach Galifianakis. So that was the thing. The next day, they took a picture of me and Zach at the back of the room. On I a, saw the a, photo, yes, yeah. Yeah, you saw the Facebook photo. Yeah. Underneath the caption was, um, for almost 10 years, comedians have been wondering what it takes to get a walk-on spot at Comedy <laughs> Monday night. Yeah, yeah. And last night, the question was answered. A total box office in excess of a billion dollars. Sure. 
and three pieces of ID. Right, right. So that was good fun. That was good fun. <laughs> and, you know, so, which is very interesting because we, uh, in Toronto, we have Spirits, which is like a really long-standing open mic. Joanne Downey's room. 17 years. And she, too, has had stars drop by and do sets. And she finds a certain effect of what happens is when a star, like a Robin Williams, or like one night it was literally Robin Williams, Louis Black, Kenny Robinson, and there's one other star there. Do you remember who? Uh, I mean, Mike Wilmot was there. Oh, and Wilmot was but... there. I mean, the lo- it was just a crazy show. But, you know, Rob Williams and Louis Black are the stars, you know. And, and she found that when that happened, for the next month, the show was packed because there's that element of, I don't know who's going to show up. Exactly. Right? So there's a little bit of overflow from that. And then what the, what happened, it actually extended a little bit longer, I think, because once people see that, okay, Rob Williams or Zach Galifianakis is not going to show up, but this was a really good show, uh, I'm going to start maybe coming a little more regular to this show. Did you find that with your room that maybe not like, you know, it doubled your capacity, but it didn't seem a little busier for the next couple months as it may be a bit of a spillover from that? Well, it absolutely did pick up for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, we did see an increase in our, in our audience and you're right. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that come out because of the hype. And again, that room that night that Zach Galifianakis was there, we had about 125 people and I'm pretty sure that everybody went and told at least five people the next day. Of course. Well, come on. Yeah. So we really, you know, have relied on word of mouth since day one to try and get an audience to begin with. So any type of this kind of hype that you get going for a room is invaluable. Right. I mean, we're trying to be, we're hoping to be like the Elma combo of comedy in Calgary, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. You know, because Elma combo guys like the Rolling Stones would drop in there. And and so you never know if they're coming. And certainly that's the type of reputation that we'd like to have. You would never really know. And I never really know who or when someone Mm -hmm. like a Mike Wilmot or a Zach Galifianakis or a Kenny Robinson or a Darren um, or or a Dave are going to show up either. Right, right. Right. Well, if, if, yeah, if, if we're in town, we're showing yeah, up. We're, we're, we're got nowhere yeah. else to go. you got to get Maggie Trudeau to kind of show up and bang a couple of comics, and then we'll get the real Elma Combo feel to it. <laughs> like Stones did. <laughs> All right, there we go. That is the James Moore uh, little clip of the interview that uh, you can hear in an upcoming podcast. But that is James Moore talking about his uh, Monday night Broken City comedy room. Comedy Monday Nights. If you're in Calgary, go and check it out. That is it for this week, uh, the week of November 27th. Um, what can I say? Oh, right. Uh, Mr. Kenny Robinson, uh, he has his Ford Follies show that is going to be coming up at the Elma Combo in Toronto. It is on Spadina, uh, just near college, actually. It's going to be Kenny Robinson, uh, Simon Rakoff, Alan Park, Mark Walker, Craig Lerzon, Mike Rita, Steve Kersner, also known as Ed the Sack. Um, it is uh, December 5th. Uh, on the 15th, uh, no, actually, no, it's December 5th, $15, 8.30 p.m. Go and check that out. Uh, hilarious comics all doing uh, jokes at the expense of Rob Ford. And uh, Darren Frost will be at uh, the Downtown Toronto Yuck Yucks Club um, uh, from November 27th to December 1st. Go and check him out there. Uh, and uh, he will be in Ottawa at the Elgin Street Club on New Year's Eve. So go and check out Darren Frost and uh 
sadly, I don't have a uh, New Year's gig, uh, so uh, uh, I don't know. I might. Who knows what will happen in the next uh, upcoming month? But uh, if you'd like me to just come up, uh, come and hang out at your house, uh, please contact me through Twitter. And uh, I'm uh, I clean up after myself, and I'm fairly house trained. So uh, until next time, uh, we got uh, next week on the show is going to be Derek Sweet. So check out that interview. And until next time, uh, party hard and party safe. Bye-bye, everyone. That's it for this week. Anything Goes wants to thank Victoria for producing the show and George Westerholm for the music used. Follow the hosts on Twitter at Comedy Whore at Dave Martin World. Download new episodes every week on iTunes. Join the Facebook group and follow the show on Twitter at Anything Goes Hot. Anything Goes hopes you laugh, cry, and learn something. Come back next week. And until then... Take it easy.